0: By the time the body's talking, you're already like halfway your burnout, let's say. <laughs> you're almost mm-hmm. at the end of it because it's already starting in the mind. But we just we got so used to pushing. It has become so normal in our society to just keep going. I'm glad to see that there's a shift happening. More and more people, thanks to podcasts like this one, are just becoming more conscious, getting more in touch with balance, life balance, work-life balance, or being a multi-passionate, they realize, okay, I think I'm doing too much. I have to do something about this. And the moment you realize, that's when you need to learn the skills as well. Because I always say it's about retraining and rewiring the brain.
1: You're listening to the Lifelong Learners Collective, This is a podcast that facilitates a community of game changers and expansive thinkers ready to become the most bold, vibrant versions of yourselves as you each manifest the life you desire as each episode is recorded to inspire you. I'm your host, Ella, and I am thrilled to have you on this lifelong learning journey with me and my incredible guests. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Lifelong Learners Collective. We are recording this show midway through January, and statistically, you may have already broken your resolution, but that's okay because I have a real treat for you today. I have Maya Lombards, she is your creative entrepreneur sidekick, and she is going to be talking to us today about habits that you can create and decluttering. That's not only going to give you a great start to your year, but this is going to implement better habits for you and also help you throughout your journey and definitely, and not just on the new year. So Maya, thank you for being on the show. I'm thrilled to have you today. And if you would like to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us what you do and what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so great to
0: be here, Ella. Yeah, so creative entrepreneur sidekick. That is what I do. Like I help people structure their business and balance their life. And the thing is that At first, years ago, I was working in business. It was all about business management, working as an operations manager, and then I shifted gears actually into health coaching, and I became a functional medicine certified health coach. So I was working mostly, yeah, with people with chronic disease, because I struggled with fibromyalgia when I was very young. And... Then I started shifting gears, creating my community of healthy high achievers, because I saw more and more people are struggling not only with chronic disease, but mostly with chronic fatigue or overachiever syndrome, right? So doing so much and being so productive in Europe, in the US, and me as a Belgian person living in Cusco, Peru, I got really good at Not scheduling, decluttering my schedule, decluttering my life, partly because of chronic disease, I had to declutter a lot from when I was 15. And now I start bringing everything together where I help creative entrepreneurs who have their, who have a million ideas every day, right? And they don't know where to start, how to implement. So I use my business skills and I still do guided journaling sessions. I still help them simplify life, declutter life. And really connect stay connected to yourself. Cause being connected to your body is a key, and I know we'll get into that today. To not overdo things, to not live in your head too much, and to not keep adding on things to your life. Cause then you end up with clutter in every way, right?
1: I can definitely agree as the podcast is for people who are multi-passionate. So they may have a full-time job and they may have a lot of projects on the side and they want to choose what they want to focus on, or they want to be a high performer in all of what they have going on, but they face some bumps along the road, including getting fatigued, getting burned out, or they have to focus on one or the other. I've had this same journey with the show. I really want to focus on the podcast, but A year ago, I was in school getting a certification and I was also working a full-time job. And then I was also looking for jobs and it was just, there's so much going on at once that some things had to take a pullback. I did fantasy football with my friends and our commissioner ended up calling me and he's, like, hey, you realize you need to change your lineup now. You need to change your And I'm like, I am so sorry. This whole thing just slipped my mind. And I remember just having a breaking point like, okay, I'm really going to have to get it together and organize and find out what is important, what I need to focus on. I've gotten a little bit better about that today, but I really like what you were talking about with chronic fatigue. That's something I think a lot of millennials face and they may not know the root cause of it. They may just say, yeah, I'm just really busy. I'm just burned out or I'm just not eating the right stuff. And that could be it. But there's probably different approaches to that. And you say the healthy high achievers, what are some of the patterns you've seen around health and their work performance?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think as multi-passionates, We are interested in so many different things. So a pattern there is that curiosity, that love of learning. We want to be in five different courses at the same time. We want that variety in the work we do. We have different passions and then want to take on an extra thing. It's mostly that curiosity of our minds. But then that pattern is your mind wants to do all those things and then one day, your body's low <laughs> hold <laughs> on here a right hold on what are we doing? So we expect our body to just go along with all the crazy plans we have in our mind and when you talk to someone who has let's say a nine to five or is good at focusing on only one thing in their job and you tell them, Let's say it's a non-multipassionate and you say, oh, these are all the things I'm doing. You explain actually everything you're doing. People are like, how and when do you do all those things, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you're always being productive. And that's the trick. And that's what's going wrong there. We're always being productive. And what I see in people who break down, who face chronic fatigue, who face burnout... Is because they lost touch with their off button, right? To just turn off that mind, to unwind, to relax, and to not do anything. (laughs) It's the doing versus the being, right? So we want to be always doing until the body catches up with you, until there's a wake-up call. But the time you reach burnout, it's already too late because the body just keeps hopping along and following along with all your crazy plans for months, maybe even years before it might complain. And when it does, it's like an explosion, right? It's all these symptoms. It's not only fatigue, but also your digestion is off and you're maybe brain fogged or mood swings and all kinds of things are off because that's a a reaction from things you started doing or overdoing months or years ago
1: would you say a lot of people face burnout before they even realize it absolutely i think by
0: the time the body's talking you're already like halfway your burnout let's say or you're almost mm-hmm. at the end of it cuz it's already starting in the mind but we just we got so used to pushing it has become so normal in our society to just keep going i'm glad to see that there's a shift happening more and more people thanks to podcasts like this one are just becoming more conscious getting more in touch with balance life balance work life balance or being a multi-passionate they realize okay i think i'm doing too much i have to do something about this and the moment you realize that's when you need to learn the skills as well because I always say it's about retraining and rewiring the brain you trained your brain to be on 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 all the time you trained your brain to be active to not take breaks and that's the way your brain is wired literally at the moment so retraining that is not easy in the beginning but it is a skill that you need to learn how to build, just to disconnect, to pause, to balance, to not take too much on, to not focus on 10 projects at the same time. It's not easy, but you can learn it.
1: So you can train your body to be able to be that person that can handle many different tasks at once and not approach the burnout. Yeah,
0: or you can train your brain to not focus on 10 things at the same time, Train your brain, yeah. Yeah, train your brain. And then the body will be thankful because you're basically connecting your mind and your body a bit more, that mind-body connection, right? So in your mind, you start noticing your body, you start listening to it, you start seeing the signs before you fall into burnout. I can already, like when I wake up and I feel like I'm overdoing it, Now I can really notice the subtle changes, the subtle pressure on my eyes, the subtle pressure on my head, and I can already notice, okay, I'm overdoing it before it doesn't have to become a burnout once you're aware of those little signs of your
1: body. What signs would you tell people to be aware of?
0: For every, I always say everybody and every body is different, so the signs really depend on you. For some people, it's tension in their back. For some people, it's a heavy feeling on their eyes. For some people, it's even their throats that might be that, like some inflammation somewhere in the body. Or just some people feel frustrated by everything and everyone all of a sudden is really getting into a bad mood. So I always invite people to... One of the first exercises I love doing with people is a body scan meditation. And that's a meditation where you just lie down and you don't need to follow an audio. It can be an exercise of two minutes. If you only have two minutes, you just lie down and you notice your body, you scan it from head to toe, just feeling into every part of the body and asking yourself, what am I feeling right now? Where are the tensions? What's my body saying at the moment? And that will connect you to your own body's language because every body is different and every Language of your body is way different. So, when I was struggling with chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia, I got so used to feeling tired that I became immune to the feeling. So, I would just go about my day feeling exhausted, but I didn't even notice until my mom or my grandmother or someone who knows me really well will look at me and say, You're not feeling well, are you? And I'd be surprised and stop. And check in and I could just feel the bags under my eyes. I could feel the extreme fatigue. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess so. I was just pushing.
1: And sometimes how can I tell if it's, if I feel like I'm getting agitated by everything and everyone or, okay, I've been on the phone too long. I need to hang up this call. How do I tell if it's me feeling burned out or if it's just the audience is mostly women, so I'm going to ask if it's PMS.
0: Yeah. If it's PMS, then it is your body again asking for an easier day or a little less, right? And that's something we want to listen to as well. So when I don't feel like seeing people, not because of burnout, which is because of PMS, I respect that. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. I'm like, how can I shift my schedule So that I can honor my body and honor my feeling of just hanging in my PJs the whole day. Luckily, I can do that. I work from home as an entrepreneur. (laughs) When you work at an office, you can't always do that. But you can if you maybe you can work from home a day, or maybe you can just get home and get into your PJs right away. And let's say today I'm feeling like taking things easy. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have this nice chat with Ella, and then. I know some friends are going salsa dancing tonight and I really wanted to go, but my body's asking for hanging on the couch (laughs) and that happens and and that happens. And I'm going to respect that. And especially me, I'm a very social introvert. (laughs) So I love meeting people, but I need my downtime. So I need to really follow those waves of my social batteries. So it's not only your body's energies, but also the social batteries, right? How long can you talk to people in a day? (laughs) And I know that already about myself. And I know after a day of having lots of meetings, I need a day with no meetings if possible. And I adapt to that.
1: I 100% relate to that. I tell people, I have to explain and say, okay, I am an extroverted introvert, meaning I can be extroverted on a situational basis, but I really, sometimes I just need my quiet time. Or if I'm around someone who's very extroverted and they're talking just to talk, if something they're saying is not relevant to the subject matter or while we're having the conversation, if they just, I I find myself getting impatient on it and and I shouldn't, (laughs) but it, it is a read for me. It's okay. You're spending too much time being on When are you gonna take time for yourself? And I also have the tendency, because I like to be out, I like to get out, be social, I do have a tendency to overcommit myself only to be regretful about it later. Yeah. Yeah, That was fun, but I probably should have stayed home and meditated, or I probably should have did something to invest into myself, gone out, worked gone to a dance class or worked out, did something that didn't require me to be out in public and be around people but not necessarily requiring me to be on
0: 24-7. Yeah, and that's something I love about the Peruvian lifestyle here in Cusco, Peru, because Peruvians do not plan their free time. They're like, free time is supposed to be free time. Why would you use a schedule for plans with friends and hobbies? Because it's supposed to give you peace of mind. It gives you, like, it's supposed to relax you right so they're like why would you schedule that and whenever i go to belgium on a visit i have to tell my friends in belgium hey i'm coming from that date to that date when do we see each other and so i show my schedule on my phone to my husband and i'm like look i know exactly what i'm gonna be doing every day for the coming month that i'll be in belgium <laughs> I know exactly when I'm going to see which friend and he's what, <laughs> why? I'm like, that's because I need to do this in order to see these people. Right. Cause they're all uh, booked up. And so in Peru, I really learned to be a bit more flaky and be okay with that, not feel guilty about that. Cause it's not, like, oh, I need to cancel this dinner. We scheduled it two weeks ago. No, it's actually, everything's very spontaneous. Everyone naturally follows their body's energy levels and what they feel like. And they hang on the couch asking themselves, do I want to see people today or not? And according to that, <laughs> they go out or they stay in. And that helped me really build that skill to live in the moment and mm-hmm. go with
1: my energy levels and my social batteries. Very smart. So you, you know that when you're going to Belgium and hanging out with your friends, you're going to require energy and need to charge those social batteries.
0: Yeah, I once had a visit to Belgium where I didn't feel like seeing people at all for the whole month. And I'm like, that's very inconvenient Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I'm here now and I have to see people. So then I have to get in that social mood, but then still being able to balance. For example, here in Peru tomorrow I'm organizing an expats meetup. So all foreigners who live in Peru, we meet up, we have dinner. And so I know myself and I know that on Thursday, I'm going to want to not see anyone because I already had my fair share of social life and social contact tomorrow. So I, I can anticipate somewhat. I already know myself and my body because I've practiced it. I've made the mistakes of going when I didn't feel like it or scheduling too much and now I know okay this is too it's always about recalibrating because there are moments when I still over plan I plan Mm -hmm. too much but then it's always a moment of oh yeah wait oh yeah this is true about myself oh yeah I cannot do this much okay let me save that information this is still true for me
1: yeah let me save this noted and you have to take note of what connections empower you and what connections may drain you a little bit. You also have to know what activities you're doing empower you and drain you. I spent my 20s going out networking and I love to dance, but I would go out to the bars with my friends and I realized that I like the dancing aspect of it, but I can get that at a dance studio instead of being somewhere where I have to shout to have a conversation and I have to repeat myself more than once, and the person talking to me has to repeat themselves. And I don't even like to drink that much. I'm like, okay, this is fun every now and then. And usually it's not fun. I, I learned that <laughs> it is okay less crowds, more activity, more dance, uh, more enjoyment.
0: Yeah. And recently I'm turning 30 this year. And so I was I've been wondering
1: <laughs> how old are you Ella? So I'm in my thirties and okay. I'm just like, she's got to be, I thought you were already in your thirties because of the wisdom that you have and the things that you learn in your thirties, you yeah. seem like someone that's already, you don't look like someone that's already in your thirties. I will say that, but you seem like somebody already in your thirties.
0: Yeah. The thing is I had to learn these skills when I was only 15. And so when all teenagers were going out or meeting boys, experimenting with makeup, I had to make sure I could go to school. And I had to, if I wanted to go to a birthday party on Saturday, I had to plan a whole empty Saturday, a whole empty Sunday in order to be able to go until 11 p.m. I've lived the extremes of chronic disease and chronic fatigue. And I, honestly, I was 15 and I felt more connected to someone in their 60s or 70s that's the truth and then i started feeling young when i was 21 and i moved to peru and the mountains and the lifestyle here gave me more energy i started living a more healthy life with food from the market sunlight the whole year through so many things that helped me and that's when i started okay going out and i felt the energy and i felt finally a nice effect from drinking alcohol it wasn't completely draining me but i was actually like yeah
1: exactly caffeine does it too i love a good cup of coffee but there's there's like a threshold if i drink too much Mm. caffeine sugar has that too. sugar (laughs) has that i've been doing the magic mind elixir instead and that's really helped me have that sustainable energy
0: Mm.
1: instead of because it's all natural ingredients versus the chemicals that are in coffee
0: yeah and then now for the past year, 29, turning 30, I've been really feeling that shift of wanting to have a social life. But I was like, I want to have a social life between 5 and 8 p.m. Because <laughs> I started sleeping early during the pandemic and I, I can't stop now. I'm just, I'm an early sleeper now. <laughs>
1: it's so nice. It's energizing. I'm I'll, yeah. I'll compromising every now and then. I did this weekend. to see some of my friends and I compromised on New Year's Eve. But yeah. for the most part, nothing good. I think how I met your mother. They said nothing good happens after two a.m. True. In, in the south, is so nothing. True. Nothing good happens after ten p.m. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very yeah. few are very few things. But for the most part, I want to be in bed early, and if I wake up earlier in the morning, I've got more daylight to work with. In absolutely. Achieving the task I want to achieve and working out and it's just more energizing to have that or I can have a nice quiet start to my day, I can do the body scan meditation and clear out what I need to clear out before I go on with my day.
0: Exactly. And so one thing is listening to your body, doing that body scan and knowing yourself, knowing what you need in terms of social life and energy But then another thing we're just talking about now is following those faces in your life Mm because it changes, your needs change. And I've heard people who said that in their 20s they would go out a lot, then 30s it would sort of, they just wanted to sleep early, but then 35, 40, they wanted to go out again because they still wanted to feel young. There are these ups and downs in these movements. So follow that. So when I sat down and I was like, you know what? I want social life between 5 and 8 p.m. I had to shift my social life a lot because in the beginning I was like, who's available at that time? What can I do? And I remember it was such a struggle because I had friends who would want to go out at nine or 10. I tried it last Saturday, a friend who was like, I'll pass by your house at nine. And I tried so hard. I just couldn't. I was like, I need to leave my house at eight eight thirty if I want to have a late night because otherwise it's not going to happen. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna stay on the couch and get really tired. So I tried, and at nine fifteen I was like, I give up. I can't. I need to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now it's gotten easier. Now I found my people. I know who else likes to leave the house when work is done because. I know more friends now who work from home and then at 5 or 6 p.m. they love to just leave the house, get outside. you got to get outside the house. Yeah, yeah. Whereas my husband who works in a restaurant, he wants to come home (laughs) and not see people because he sees people a whole day. Whereas I, I work from my home. I see people through the world of Zoom. But then after, when I'm done working, I want to have the physical world. I want to go outside feel the fresh air, the wind, see people, just to start, finish my working day and have that transition into relaxation.
1: That's lovely. And I know you talk about working from home and needing to get out and see people. We all had that during the pandemic. It was like, okay, we've been home, we've been trapped in our houses, let's go out and socialize. Yeah. And then some of us were like, okay, I did it. Went out, I talked to people. Now I need to start incorporating more breaks into my life. I know we have in Tennessee right now, we are in the midst of a snowstorm. And when it snows here in Tennessee, nobody needs to be driving. Just nobody, because we've got a melting pot, especially in Nashville. We've got people from all over the world moving here and nobody drives the same. Nobody drives in the snow the same. So it's just, the good rule of thumb is when it's ice on the road, when it is snowed for the first day, nobody needs to be on the road. They say it on the news. Nobody needs to be on the road unless they absolutely have to and have the, unless you're a salt truck person. Second day, nobody needs to be on the road. That's for safety. And I know for me, it's okay. I get a couple days to recharge my batteries. Now I'm still talking on the phone. I'm still talking on Zoom. But I have a few days to recharge but then I'm starting to feel it from some of my colleagues and my friends. They're not used to being in a situation where they are by themselves all day. And they're wanting to come and have conversations and talk. I can pick up on that energy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's so typical. They're ready to get out. Yes. That's when you know you're an introvert because you don't mind being in your (laughs) cocoon and your bubble the whole day.
1: (laughs) And I don't think anybody wants to do that all the time.
0: No. Nobody wants to be at home by themselves all day. Yeah, we all need social life. We all need people to relate to, a community, even introverts. We all need that. Yes. But the difference is that we recharge our batteries when we're at home by ourselves. And then extroverts, they need to be around people in order to get, energy. get their energy.
1: And there's a lot of people that I've noticed that come across as extroverted. And yeah. they'll say, I don't get my energy from other people. I get it from myself. I know exactly what they're talking about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So people, when I tell them I'm an introvert, they're in shock. They're like, what? But you like, you have your podcast, you have your business. You're always, you're so active. You organize these meetups. You have so many people here. And I'm like, Yeah. I love being social but it, I think if you compare my day to the day of an intro an extrovert I'm at home I spend a lot of time at home
1: <laughs> but people don't see that and they see you when you're with people yeah they see and, I'm in yeah yeah I'm an Enneagram three so I like achievement yeah and for me to do that it does put me in front of people a lot as far as career podcast As far as some of the volunteer commitments that i have puts me in front of people a lot but there is a battery with me where i know i need to disconnect and get my energy back
0: yeah and it's when you do that when you disconnect and you prioritize yourself you're. what i like about it is that you're also educating the people around you because when you tell others hey, you know what? I actually just really need a day in. I'm sorry, can't make it. They're like, oh, it's it's okay to do that. And you create a culture of, hey, it's okay to listen to your body, right? I it's even okay. do that with some clients right now. I have two very creative clients who I know. One of them has ADHD, is a musician, really creative. The other one has a chronic disease and is a painter and writer. And so they both understand how they sometimes just need to be in their own bubble. And so we have a policy where it's okay to cancel meetings last minute because we don't do it often. And we know that when we do it, we just really need that moment and that's okay. And I love it because even me, when I had a rough night and didn't sleep well, I feel like it's okay to tell them, Hey, I had a rough night. Can we just meet tomorrow? Sure. And before I used to have my 24 hours cancellation policy and stuff. And I still do that with some clients and with some services I offer. But when with these ongoing long-term clients, we have that understanding of, Hey, you know what, it's okay to declutter your schedule (laughs) and crawl into your own bubble when your body's asking for it. We're not robots. We can't just blindly follow whatever we wrote in that schedule we can also shift and adapt and be in the moment.
1: And that's what I've been seeing in your work is you talk a lot about decluttering your life, yeah. not just with physical stuff, taking mm-hmm. up space in your house or your car. You're talking about decluttering activities or if you're a business owner, they're gonna t- you're going to take things off their plate that they don't like to necessarily spend the most time doing.
0: Yeah. And today I spent the whole day, I spent a couple of hours cleaning out a client's QuickBooks, her accountancy to prep for taxes in February. It drains her. For me, it's like meditation. I love that stuff. <laughs> so that's the thing about me where as a kid, I used to play with the invoices of my dad's business. And so now I do that, I love doing for people what energizes me and what drains them because that's the perfect match. And so there's a lot of variety in the things I do for my clients, but I love that as a multi-passionate, honestly, I love it. That one time, ta- one moment I'm guiding a journaling session to declare people's lives and the other moment I'm cleaning out someone's accountancy, right? <laughs> that just really fuels me with energy. And I think decluttering your life in every way is important even before you start decluttering stuff the stuff in your house and material because imagine you still have a cluttered life you have a million things going on when are you going to declutter your house you don't have time for that you don't have energy for that so what i found is with clients who would come to me and say i want to declutter my house we started working on so many Other things before we reach the point of decluttering the house. Same with clients who would come to me to change their diets. I want to live or create healthy habits. First, we had to create that connection with their bodies for them to know their body, for them to listen to their body, declutter their schedule. And once they felt they had the space in their lives to do what they actually wanted to do, decluttering their house or changing their diet or exercising more they started doing it without my help they started doing it by themselves they didn't need my help anymore because they had the space and the energy and the drive
1: that's wonderful i'm so glad we have people in the world like you that like to organize quickbooks and receipts (laughs) i don't mind it i'll organize and clean my house every now and then there's something therapeutic about it but it's not my favorite thing in the world to do
0: yeah, my house is not my
1: favorite. I'm glad somebody else does that for me.
0: Yeah, honestly, but- I don't like cleaning either, and I have my cleaning lady because I'm like, whatever yeah. is draining me, I'm gonna outsource it.
1: <laughs> you pick your battles in life that are worth fighting yeah. for, and keeping my house clean all the time is not a battle that I need to be picking right now. I don't. Mi- Again, I don't mind it. I do light things here and there. I'm doing my laundry, wipe the countertops, vacuum, but. Somebody else doing that for me allows me to come home to a clean house and and work on the show. Oh, the feeling! (laughs) It's so relaxing. It's like when you stay at a hotel. Yeah, you have all these conferences, all these meetings all day. You get back, somebody cleaned your hotel room. There's something additionally therapeutic about that.
0: Yeah, and I used to have a mindset of, "Oh, I don't have enough money to have a cleaning lady. That's a luxury something." And I shifted that mindset by breaking my foot (laughs) I broke my foot and I had to get a cleaning lady because I couldn't clean for over a month for almost two months I couldn't clean at all so I had to get a cleaning lady and just that feeling when everything's clean and she cleaned things that I didn't even know were dirty I don't have that eye for the deep clean stuff so (laughs) it made me so happy to see my house and I'm like what if I shift my expenses Because we spend money on so many things that aren't even necessary. (laughs) Sometimes Mm -hmm. we order things from Amazon or we're going out eating or for drinks. And the fact that I don't drink a lot of alcohol just like you, I can perfectly go for a drink and have one tea and then one sparkling water. (laughs) And it's way cheaper than drinking alcohol. And so I have the budget or I can free up the budget to have a cleaning lady. And I started by doing that once a month, just once a month, have a cleaning lady for the deep clean. And then I loved it so much. After a while, I was increasing my income and I started doing having a cleaning lady every other week. And that's still what I do to this day. So if something, if you have a mindset of, oh, that's a luxury item, look at what it gives you. Challenge that mindset. Is it
1: really? What do I need to declutter so I can have this?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: What expenses do I need to eliminate so I can have this?
0: Oh, I love it. We're like switching from decluttering social life to schedule to now to finances. It's decluttering in every way.
1: Declutter, it makes such a difference in life. That's why the magic of tidying up is not just about the aesthetics of a clean and organized home. It's really bringing magic into your life, what you're decluttering to make space for what you want.
0: Yeah. And when I work with clients, I often challenge them to tidy up in like a two-minute window or a five-minute window. Or if they're working the whole day on their laptops, take a five-minute break and walk around because it helps you just tidying up for five minutes. It helps you move your body. Literally, you're reaching for something. You're stretching without knowing you're stretching. So just putting things where they belong. Anytime you can for a short window of time. And I'm feeling that satisfaction of, oh, I don't have clutter. Because the clutter that we have around our desk, around our couches, wherever we spend the most time, without even looking at it, like my piano, my piano is not clutter, but it's an example. My piano is right there. And I'm looking at you, but my brain is still processing everything that's within my, what's it called, <laughs> like vision field. peripheral vision. Yeah. So I'm still processing that stuff. It's still taking up brain energy without me even noticing. So just decluttering in that sense in your home just frees up brain energy, even though you're like ignoring that. You have stuff, I mean, I I've
1: got my cup and my air purifier, my GoPro and I've got a lot of things on my desk right now that you mention it.
0: Yeah. And consciously, you're like, I can ignore that. But your subconscious mind and your brain energy is already drained. there. It's, it's already processing everything that's around you.
1: And it's all about the subconscious mind. I have, that's one thing I learned in my 30s. The most important thing is your conscience, your logical mind, your front and cortex is thinking, okay, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I, I, that's, that's not the truth. Your rational mind. But you do have these thoughts that you're not fully aware of that probably were ingrained in you before you turned 10 that Absolutely. are holding you back. Once I realized that and became aware of that, I've been able to be in the driver's seat more around my life, my career, and the things that I've been able to do, the traveling I've been able to do, what I've been able to afford, what I've been able to have, knowing that my subconscious mind was the CPU. Even if you look at the old computers, you've got your monitor, that's your frontal yeah. cortex, and then the CPU is running everything.
0: Decluttering that subconscious mind, decluttering your beliefs as well and asking yourself, okay, is it really true the way I feel about this or think about this? Is this something that comes from my childhood or my family? And maybe you don't always remember or a lot of programming in the subconscious mind we don't even know it's there we're not consciously aware of what's in the subconscious mind right Mm -hmm. but even just there are so many ways to access the subconscious mind and play with that and reprogram and declutter those beliefs is this really true though is this something that my mom gave me or my family my grandparents is this something i saw a lot as a kid that's giving me this fear right now And decluttering those beliefs bit by bit, layer by layer. That's a big one, too.
1: It's like onions. You're just paling back all these layers. It's like, where did I get that belief? And yeah, there's things that I saw watching 90210 as a kid (laughs) (laughs) that affects what I think in my 30s. Absolutely. Even, yeah, the
0: programs you watched or the truth or your culture, too. For me, being Belgian, living in Peru, Something really stupid, for example, is when someone's making noise at 11 PM, I'm like, it's after 10 PM. And I once said that out loud and my friends were like, what's wrong with what happens after 10 PM? And I'm like, oh, wait, that's an unspoken rule in Belgium that you cannot make noise after 10 PM. It's what we hear as a kid. Hey, it's 10 PM. Hey, it's 10 PM. Constantly. And I didn't know it was something cultural. I thought it was a general truth of life, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) People don't make noise after 10 PM. It's a programming I had. It's something I learned from my culture. And I didn't notice until I had that confrontation. It's a stupid, simple example, but there are so many programs that we have like that. that We don't even realize it's not a general truth. It's our truth or our
1: programming. What are some of the suggestions that you have for your clients to help declutter some of those subconscious beliefs?
0: That's a good one. It really depends on what triggers you. I would say experiment because there are many ways to access the subconscious mind and everyone is sensitive to a different way. What I'm very sensitive to is hypnosis audios. When I, the first time, the first moment I wake up, I love to listen to these hypnosis meditations and really go into that subconscious mind to reprogram. That's what really works for me. But yesterday I was talking about it with a friend. He's tried those too. did didn't do anything for him because either he didn't believe in it, he wasn't too sensitive to it. He listened to audios that didn't really trigger anything in him. So then it might be more... Something visual, like visualizations. It might be more numbers. The subconscious mind is really sensitive to numbers. So, my best advice is experiment, learn about it. There are tons of books that give you tons of ways to access the subconscious mind. You can work with a hypnotherapist, you can work with a subconsciousness coach. Don't stay with just one way or one person and trust that. Try things out and then see what you're most receptive to that would be my best advice
1: i love that i for example i do hypnosis meditations and they do work well for me sometimes i wake up a little later and i still need to do my hair put my makeup on make my bed i can run subliminals in the background yeah Yeah, that's extremely helpful because that's going straight to my subconscious mind or sitting in silence and meditating, doing yoga, there are different ways to work with that, the subconscious mind. Or sometimes you just get it right out, you journal, say what you're really thinking. Okay, then what am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Or tapping it out, doing the EFT tapping method.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. When you work
1: with your mind.
0: Yeah, that's one of those ways. And for some people, it's imagining, some people, it's more auditive. So for me, I'm very sensitive to certain frequencies like certain hertz music as well or binaural beats that's what works on me but yeah try it out like you said there is eft there are so many techniques see what resonates with you and also see what not only what you're sensitive to or what works on you but also what you like doing that's such an important one that i keep highlighting always what do you look forward to doing? Yeah, I love waking up and be like a bit grumpy. I'm not a morning person. But then I just put on some hypnosis meditation. I crawl back into my bed and I listen to that for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And it really helps me wake up in a good state of mind. So that works really well on me because it fits like a glove in my morning routine. When in my morning moods. But for other people, that might not be the way. Some people who have kids, they're like, oh, I cannot do that. My kids wake me up, et cetera. So then it might be something before you go to sleep, or it might be some tapping every now and then, or it might be different things. So what fits into
1: your lifestyle? What do you like doing? And what are you receptive to? Thank you for sharing that. Maya, would you tell us something that you have recently learned to the Lifelong Learners Collective?
0: yeah i recently this is something for me a challenge of mine that i'm a very linear person that's why i'm a sidekick for creative entrepreneurs but i think that's also a gift to challenge myself to access my creative side i used to always think i'm not creative i'm not creative i'm not creative where that programming came from i don't know But I recently started challenging myself to do something I've never done in my life, at least not until not since kindergarten, and that is painting. And I've never felt drawn to painting. I've never painted, I cannot draw. (laughs) I started taking a course of one of my clients just to better understand what she does. And it has all kinds of art, it has writing, it has painting. I love writing, so I was like, you know what, I'm not going to do the painting part. I'm just going to do writing (laughs) because I don't really paint. But then I started watching her videos and she really challenged me and made me learn something and that was just create for the sake of creating. And I was like, oh, no, I always put these expectations on. This needs to be a masterpiece or this needs to be really good. Or when I sing, it needs to be perfect. Or when I write, it needs to be good. And she was like, no, just create for the sake of creating and then throw it away. So she had one exercise that blew my mind. And that was like just splashing colors onto a giant piece of paper. And with your hands, get your hands dirty and just move the colors around. See what colors you can create. It doesn't need to look pretty. And then once it's done and it dries up, oh this is my piece I'm I feel attached to it then she's take your pair of scissors and cut it up (laughs) cut out a piece that you like and cut out some colors that give you certain memories and so the fact that I had to cut up my masterpiece my first piece of art that I had created since kindergarten that blew my mind because I was like oh yeah this It doesn't even, I need to detach. I don't need to have an attachment to this piece. I don't need to hang it on my wall. I can just do random stuff and create for the sake of creating. And that really triggered my multi-passionate curious mind to just tap into different sorts of passions and creative arts and hobbies without thinking I need to be good at this.
1: I love that. I was told a few years ago that creativity is the most unlearned trait yeah as we grow up we're taught to keep our creativity to ourselves we're more taught to be to think in a group especially and i don't think this is intentional but in the schooling system or i know in the u.s schooling system they want people to think alike in a group setting and to learn in a way that makes it easier for the system as opposed to what makes it easier for each individual child. And it's because we're all different. We all learn differently. We all approach different things. We have different interests. So there's no way to really cater it to each and every child. But I think the groupthink that is encouraged does diminish a lot of creativity.
0: And that's interesting because I wish I had learned that as a kid. That i can just create and fail it's not even failing it's just creating and it doesn't You're always creating yeah because i used to i'm a singer so i sing here in bars and hotels but as a kid i was already singing about everything that was going on around me that was my way of expressing myself i i was like singing a self-invented song singing about everything that was going on around me until i reached a certain age where i was singing for my parents and i saw all these talent shows on tv and i saw those kids that were so great and they would write their own songs and they would have a crazy reach like christina aguilera and (laughs) and i started comparing the danger that of That kills you.
1: Yeah. It Harrison killed kills. my passion
0: for singing. So I shut up and I stopped singing. I would only sing in secret in my room until I moved to Peru. Seriously, there was a moment when I was 19 when I bought this camera, actually, <laughs> this microphone, It I bought it for singing. It's a singing recording mic, but I never used it until now for podcasting. Why? Because I would record myself and then listen to it and not like it and feel bad about myself. Why did no one teach me? I could just sing a million songs and there will be something out there, some music genre or some song that sounds better than another one and that's fine. And I can just filter, delete the rest, take that one. Just like the piece of art, just cut out a piece that you like. Why didn't no one teach me that?
1: And it's so subjective at who's talented or not because some of the biggest artists out there to i'm not going to say they're not talented because it's subjective but they don't reach me they're not for me like their music is not for me it their voice is not for me it doesn't hit me as well Mm. of course i go back to a lot of 90s stuff and that's what resonates with me the music i grew up listening to yeah
0: yeah And so now when I sing, I like to sing in small bars, small restaurants where I'm like in the same level, not really a stage, but just same level as the people. And I just really enjoy singing just me and my guitar player. And I can play around with all the details in my voice. And then when someone's just eating at a restaurant or something, and then they're looking at you and I can see that they're enjoying it. That's the best feeling ever. But that doesn't always happen. And so I accepted In the beginning, I would sing at one bar and be surprised that they asked me again and again. And I was like, okay, I must be doing something right. (laughs) Maybe I'm not that bad. (laughs) And then they kept asking me at all kinds of events. And then I had weeks where I had nine gigs in a week. And I was like, whoa, that's intense. I don't want to do it that often. I don't want it to become a job. But I do want to continue singing just for the passion of it, just because it brings me joy Ever since I was a kid.
1: And there's somebody that wants specifically to listen to you. But I love that. That's what my yeah. podcasting coach told me. I got on there and said, okay, everything I want to talk about is being talked about by somebody else. Somebody yeah. who has millions of followers and millions of subscribers. And there's they're gonna but they're like, okay, but somebody, there's very many people, there's going to be a lot of people that want. To hear from Ella, some of your guests—they might be on other shows—they want to hear that guest interviewed by Ella, and you have to believe that. You have to believe that you have something to offer, and take that, or else you're not only depriving yourself of your passion. You're gonna—you never know who you could be depriving of your art.
0: Yeah, that's true. Because when we talk about decluttering life or living a healthy life or whatever it is, we pick that one person we like hearing from and we like learning from. Because we like their voice, their energy, the way they bring it, whatever it is, their personality, whatever it is, we like learning from them. While we know that there are thousands of other podcasts and books and teachers out there that can help you, we pick this one person that we feel good about. Exactly.
1: Where can we catch you? Where can we hear your singing? Where can we learn from you? And where can we stay connected to you and your amazing abilities?
0: Yeah, you can hear me singing and see some of the Peruvian streets that I sometimes share and these random creative reels on Instagram. That is at Maya Lombards. So I'm I'm sure you'll put it in the description and show notes, but that's M-A-Y-A. L-O-M-B-A-R-T-S. So that's where you can find me on Instagram. And my website is the same thing. It's mayalombards.com. And so there I have some freebies, a uh, journal prompts ebook, for example, to zoom out of your busy life. So that's a good one for those who want to start decluttering life. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to hang out with y'all.
1: Thank you so much, Maya. It was a treat having you on the show. And I look forward to seeing what you do next.
0: Yeah, this was such a lovely chat, Ella. Thank you so much.
1: You are listening to the Lifelong Learners Collective. This is a podcast that facilitates a community of game changers and expansive thinkers like you who are ready to become the boldest, most vibrant version of yourself as you manifest the life you desire, as each episode is recorded to inspire. I'm your host Ella, and I'm so thrilled to have you on this lifelong learning journey with me and my wonderful guests,